Yes, yes. Alec, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Awesome. All right, cool. Ladies and gents, welcome to Andy Podcast. And um, before we get started, I just want to say thanks to everybody that's been tuning in from season one. And um, uh, I just want to give props to everybody that's been really tuning in, supporting the indie artists. And this next guest right here, man. Um, by the way, but let's hear this. This will be season seven, episode 17. And this next gentleman right here, I, I got to give a shout out to my homie, Michael, real quick. Michael's the one that linked me up. And um, told me a little bit more about him, but this next gentleman right here is an in, is an intern in um, music therapy, and he graduated from Berkeley College of Music in Boston, and he's now an intern at he's now an intern for Music Therapy Center in California, and tonight we're going to talk about the neuroscience of music, but also the practice of music therapy because you know sometimes it could be misunderstood. But we're also going to break down the protocol for targeting certain neurologic processes through the modality of music. So, ladies and gents, without no further ado, we got Alec Johnson in the house. What's up, Alec? What's up, dude? Thanks for having me, man. No doubt. How was your gig, man? I know you had a gig today. Oh, I did. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. What city did you rock today? Uh, I was in Cali Mesa at the bottom of uh, Big Bear, which is my hometown. Oh, nice. How was it? It was great, man. Yeah, I was just jamming. What I do uh, is kind of like background music atmosphere for bars and restaurants and stuff. And I like it a lot because it's not about uh, me as the performer being up front and center, but it's about me just creating the environment that is conducive for people to, you know, like hang out and socialize and and uh, be in that environment, you know. Nice, nice. So, Alec, I asked all my guests, where were you born and raised? I was born and raised in Big Bear, Big Bear, California. Um, what do you remember about the community of Big Bear growing up? Oh, man. First of all, it's a beautiful place and a lot of amazing people. Mm-hmm. Um, very tight-knit community, small town. And that is where actually I was inspired to follow music therapy because uh, I'm really passionate about community. So what we did in Big Bear was we threw all these events like open mics, jams, shows. And we brought, the concept was to bring everyone uh, and whatever their craft was, like bring people to play music and artists to put up a gallery uh, and do live painting on stage with us and stand up and comedians and all types of stuff. Nice, nice. Now, growing up, as far as you can remember, what was your first introduction to music? Hmm. Whether it's an artist you gravitated to, whether it's a musical instrument, but what was your first introduction to music in general? I'd say the first earliest was probably uh, my parents were very musical um, Mm. and they used to play music for me a lot. So I remember a memory of, you know, very nostalgic. Uh, I was super young and (laughs) it was this beautiful uh, scene of the light the morning light filtering in through the window and the classical music playing. Nice. What kind of genres did they play, mom and dad? Uh, all types. So, like I said, classical and also like 60s rock and stuff like that. It was very eclectic. What was the first musical instrument you picked up and started messing around with? That was piano. Cool. Well, next. Piano and then guitar. Which one do you like better between both, between the two? Uh, It's hard to say, but I would say I certainly resonated with guitar more because when I picked that thing up, I just like ran with it. And before we even get to um, to your role as an intern in the music therapy program, Mm -hmm. we're definitely going to get into your role as an artist, your identity as a a musician first too, you know? let me ask you this. Let's say junior high years. What would be like the bands you were listening to or artists you were listening to? Like your junior adult? high. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, actually I started. It's kind of interesting because I started in classical music. I studied classical guitar. And then as I was studying classical guitar, I was listening to punk rock and metal like No Effects and Rise Against and Exodus. Mm-hmm. And I, I played in a punk rock and metal band as I was studying classical. Oh, wow. Um, let's say your high school years, what would be your top three bands? Mm. I 
I think it was those three. No effects, Rise Against, and Exodus. Right on, right on. So you graduate high school. In your mind, what was the plan you had in mind, and what actually ended up happening? <laughs> well, actually, I had I had a kind of a rough time in in my whole teenage years.、Mm. Uh, it was a very strange time for me. Because、um, of a bunch of circumstances, and so it was. It was certainly not a typical upbringing for my for my teenage years and adolescence. Why would you、um, say that? Like why? Well, why you... because well, basically some shit happened that was、uh, not fun, and、mm-hmm. it was it kind of、uh, left my family devastated. And actually,、mm-hmm. that was what led me to using music、uh, instinctually to. You know, cope and process, and also to take something shitty and turn it into something insightful and beautiful. No doubt. So that was what brought me to the concept of music therapy. It was very natural.、Um, I, I'm very blessed to、uh, to have this passion of music therapy and know exactly what I want to do since I was very young. Actually, I remember the day I fell in love with neuroscience. I was eight years old, and I was、uh, learning a song on piano. And so I learned it. I learned the song to a point where I didn't have to think about it anymore. It was all motor memory. And then I just played the song and sat back and watched my fingers move. And I was just so fascinated by that. I was like, "What's happening in my brain? And how am I learning this?" And ever since, I mean, I fell in love with neuroscience before I even knew what neuroscience was. You know? Right. Right. And then、uh, fast forward to my teenage years, I used music. I had this band called Manifest Illusion, and it was a punk metal band. And the lyrics were about、um, basically about self cultivation, meaning like、um, developing your skills and and developing your character and discipline、um, and transcending difficulty. Right on. So, you, so, like I said, like you graduate high school. What was the plan that you had in mind? Okay, so sorry, I I kind of went on a tangent there. No worries. With the background. So after high school, what I did was. I was working at a concert venue. I was doing marketing for them and, and、uh, event promotion, and I was playing gigs. So what I wanted to do was go study music therapy, but I wasn't ready uh, um, mentally. You know, I feel like、uh, most eighteen-year-olds. I'm I'm not sure if it's appropriate to push them into to college right away. For me, I spent like four years honing in on my musical craft and.、Uh, Just kind of learning the the entertainment industry, and then I got into Berkeley when I was about twenty two. UC Berkeley? No,、uh, Berkeley College of Music. Oh, in Boston. Yeah, that I get that all the time. I say Berkeley, and they say UC. No, but it's、uh, Berkeley College of Music. It's a great school. It's、uh, it was traditionally a jazz guitar school. So, what year did you get accepted into Berkeley College? Uh, that was 2018. Oh wow! So you get there. What was your first impressions of Boston? Oh man! So actually, I you know I came from Big Bear, which is a small mountain town, and then I found myself in this big city on the East Coast.、Um, it was it was kind of difficult for me to uh, uh, get accustomed to at first because I was so used to the mountain life.、Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with it. I love Boston. And you were coming in, and what major were you declaring in in Berkeley? What what major did you come in as? Right away, it was music therapy. Right on, right on. And how many years was the program?、Uh, the program is four years.、Um, oh. Yeah, it's like two years of core music studies, like in your principal instrument, which mine was guitar, ear training, composition, music history, all that stuff. And then two years of、uh, specialized clinical classes. I finished it in three because I accelerated. I went to community college before,、um, and I did all the summer classes. It was really intense, but I I enjoyed diving into it. What are the top three things you learned about yourself as a performer after you got after you finished the program? Not even as a music therapist first, but as a performer. What did you learn about?、Mm. That's a really good question. So one thing that comes to mind is community is huge.、Um, the people I met there inspired me to be a better person, and 
I learned so much from them. You know, when you go to a school like Berkeley, like you're never the best person, you know? Um, and it was, it was a very uh, inclusive community. Everyone was very welcoming. And I met some friends there that will for sure be my lifelong friends. Um, another thing was that, and this is really important, I think, for musicians, is that there's this conception that musicians need to be uh, really skilled. And when I when I say this, like, of course, it's important to be skilled in music. However, the, there's a difference between that and being too flashy. You know what I mean? Mm. Like when I'm when I'm playing guitar, when I first started playing gigs, I was just like just playing super fast scales because I thought that was the right thing to do. And then, and I, I learned a lot of this from uh, Victor Wooten. Shout out to Victor Wooten because that guy's amazing. Uh, he was, he's a professor at Berkeley. And uh, what he taught was basically the significance of feeling in the music. And it's not always about playing fast. Mm -hmm. It's about, it's about uh, harnessing a feeling into the music. And sometimes it's just the simple little bend note, you know? Mm -hmm. so that was a really big lesson for me right on now, the last thing is listening uh, listening and music because uh, that's actually something that's not really taught as much um, even in, in a really high quality music school the, to be able to listen to the, the sounds of the people you're playing with and also the gestural communication of the people you're playing with uh, helps to make the music much more significant in terms of connecting and resonating with people. Mm -hmm. What are the top three major concepts of music therapy or just in your science of music that you, that you learned in um, Berkeley that, <clears throat> that, that never left your mind as a practitioner? You know what I'm saying? Like, what are the top three major concepts you're like, that, that society needs to hear or the, that the community needs, you know, on why we should do music therapy. Mm. Well, music therapy is, I, I think it's often misunderstood because music is often seen as a recreational activity, which it is a recreational activity. However, music can also be used as a tool to facilitate education and rehabilitation. And it has a very special effect on the brain. Um, so check this out. Do you mind if I share the effect of music on the brain? Of course, of course. Break it down, break it down. Cool. Okay, so... Uh, all right, so you can see of your... You can think of your brain as a computer, let's say, as an analogy. And it's made of... It's not just one computer. It's a bunch of mini computers. And each of these mini computers uh, process a very specific thing. And... Uh, they all coordinate with each other in order to uh, uh, interact and navigate with the world. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, for example, you have your visual centers and sensory processing. You have your memory and emotion and executive functioning. And so in any given activity, a certain combination of these uh, little mini computers are engaged in order to do the task for example when you're watching tv of course you're using your visual centers and it's not just one visual center it's a bunch of little centers like something that processes uh lines and curves or shapes and colors and all there's a there's a specific part for each one of these and they're all coordinating um and each uh, part gets a little piece and it's contributing to the whole that we see as it is mm. and then say you're and then maybe there's like executive functioning where you're kind of like anticipating uh uh something that's going to come next or you're you're analyzing themes or something like that and then say if you're playing video games you have the added components of the motor coordination um uh, the integration of your motor movements with your uh visual and your executive functions and stuff like that Wow. And so, <clears throat> but here's the thing though, is that with music, something really special happens and this is really cool. So in music, it's, 
music, what music does is engages and coordinates and synchronizes virtually the entire brain. And I don't know anything else that does this. Um, for example, with speech, we have, uh, in order for us to, to speak, we have a, uh, a certain part in our brain in the left front called the Broca's area. But of course, it's much more complicated than all of this. Like, there's a bunch of more parts into it. But we have that motor system that allows us to move our mouth and throat so that we can speak. And then the, um, the receptive aspect, how we register the words coming in. Mm. But that's in a very small part of the brain, relatively speaking. In music, it engages uh, both parts of the brain, whereas speech is just one part of the brain. And so that's why people who have a stroke and they can't speak, sometimes they can sing because they're basically using different neural circuits in order to perform the task of singing as opposed to speaking. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a trip. So that's why um, music is a really good tool for for facilitating therapy um, and education because of that very special effect it has on the brain. Right on, right on. Um, so you graduate Berkeley. What was your plan next after you graduate the program? So the the process of education in music therapy is you graduate from college. And then after you graduate from college, you do the internship. You have to do a thousand hours, like six months of full-time work. Uh, and then you take the board exams. So I'm in about week seven of the internship. I just started and I'll take the board exam. After that, um, I really want more education. So I'm gonna take a master's program online. Uh, it's specifically for neuro neuroscience and music therapy because neurologic music therapy is what I study and what the type of ther therapy that we do at the Music Therapy Center of California. Um, but it's only one branch. There's a lot of different uh, uh, modes of, of music therapy. And I would say mu neurologic music therapy or NMT is uh, relatively new compared to the other ones. Music therapy actually started uh, around, what I learned in, in the books is that it started around uh, World War II. But of course, using music for healing is of course a timeless thing you know throughout all cultures but music therapy as we know it today in this society uh, starting world war ii is basically when the the veterans came home they used music to help them cope with the pain and help them to um in, in their uh post-traumatic disorder uh you know people with brain injury helping them to uh speak through singing and stuff like that what are you learning about your internship that you may have missed in Berkeley? What's the difference of the information? Like, what are you realizing now that maybe you did not even that you did not experience in Berkeley? <laughs> well, that's that's a good question. I mean, I think that um, it, so in in the education aspect, it's all theoretical learning. It's all just reading books and and uh, learning protocols and stuff like that, and that's all really useful. But I was very confused. It was still very much an enigma to me what music therapy was and how it's used to help people until I actually got some hands-on experience and I was able to observe the music therapists and what they did with people. Um, when I got some experience, real-world experience in music therapy, then all of those dots started to connect of the things that I learned in school. So yeah, experience is super important for that. And uh, uh, I'm really enjoying it because now it's making a lot more sense to me. What is, um, what is often misunderstood about music therapy that you would like to clear up and give some people some clarity on what's what's misunderstood about it? Mm, yeah. So I would say one of the biggest things is that again, music therapy or music is seen as like a recreational activity, which again it is, but. Um, like I said, and like I just explained of the effect it has on the brain, it could be used uh, for as a it, as a functional tool for people. Um, and so the biggest misconception, I, I believe, is that it's seen as simply entertainment and it does not. And the, I would say it's seen as entertainment and the functional benefit of music therapy is not as evident because and this is really special about music therapy is that it's a functional exercise what we do is we create a functional exercise and it's masqueraded as a musical activity and the musical activity is is 
useful because it engages people uh, in a way that they don't even realize that they are exercising something. I see. <clears throat> what are some of the protocols for targeting certain neurologic processes? You know, the reality of music. What are some of the protocols that you would like to discuss or bring? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, great questions, man. So we in NMT, there's something called the transformational design model, or TDM. So what that does is basically, it's like a six-step process. So you start with the the diagnosis. What is the person's uh, condition? What is their situation? And then you look at what are their goals. Um, what are the things that you want to target? It might be speech, um, developing or rehabilitating speech in language, or sensory uh, motor integration, or self-regulation, or um, sensory, or yeah, self-regulation uh, to help them with the process of overstimulation, which is often seen in people with um, autism. Mm, nice uh, motor coordination, memory, pain, pain management in hospice there's there's a whole uh plethora of things you could target so say that we target speech so what the next step what you do is you create a functional exercise that targets their speech function specifically to what uh their deficiency is targeting that and also what their goals are what they need to do in order to function in everyday life mm -hmm. And then, and that's a non-musical activity. This is really important that it starts as a non-musical uh, exercise. And then you transform that into a musical exercise. So you say, okay, so we're doing this, we're working on our, uh, I don't know, like consonant and vowel um, connections or, or, or consonant uh, uh, combinations or whatever. And then you're like, okay, so I'm gonna make that into a musical activity and it, this is highly individualized because, first of all, you want to tailor it specifically to their specific deficiency, so you can target that. That's not universal. It's very individual, or it's very specific. And then you also, it's also useful to uh, leverage their interest, like what music they prefer, um, their personality, um, all different types of things that can go into um, kind of leveraging, or I'm sorry, all the all these different things that you can leverage in order to make the intervention more successful. And then after <clears throat> you've done that exercise with the musical activity, you fade out the music, and then bring it back to a non-musical activity, and then you generalize it so that they can um, function in everyday life to make sure it transfers to activities of daily living. So this model i think is is um incredible because it's i i think it's brilliant because it targets uh these things in a way that it's focusing on the non-musical you know like it's not about the music and it's focusing on the non-musical uh, activity whatever they need or the goal or the, the skill or function that they need <clears throat> and then you're at one point of the stage you're using music as a scaffold to help them develop that or rehabilitate that and then you take the scaffold away and it stands on its own wow and i know you mentioned autism um i've gotten a chance to um to do aba therapy for the past 13 14 years now for children children on the spectrum and also home care so i wanted to ask you um just strictly on the top autism how can these how can music therapy benefit that population you know like what are mm -hmm. the things that can really help with the behaviors anxiety of, of our children with autism you know yeah that's a good question i uh so first of all i mean i'm of course no expert on autism uh i'm just a student and with the limited experience i've had with uh, uh individuals with autism i found that they often have difficulty in regulating themselves like with sensory overstimulation or understimulation um and i think an interesting thing is that i think that we all have difficulties in self-regulation sometimes you know sometimes we get nervous or our autonomic nervous system is in a state that is not conducive to what we're doing like for example when i go up to perform let's say like i might be nervous and 
shaking when I pick up my guitar, which is not conducive for me playing fluently. So I think that's a thing that happens to all of us. However, it seems that people with autism have much more difficulty in regulating themselves. Um, and I think that's just one aspect. Of course, it's a spectrum. So there's a, it's a lot of different uh, ways that the disorder can manifest, you know. But in terms of self-regulation, uh, they have strategies such as stimming, stemming. Is that with an I or an E? Uh, I. <laughs> okay, so stimming. So, um, yeah, so they develop these strategies to help them to regulate themselves. Uh, some are adaptive, some are maladaptive, meaning that some are healthy for them and some are not healthy. For example, hand flapping, you know, might be something that is not necessarily an issue, you know? However, if someone resorts to biting their hand, that might be an issue because they're damaging themselves. And so what I have seen that that uh, people work on is to help them uh, cultivate the strategies that help them to regulate themselves. Mm -hmm. And music is a great way because it when when you're engaging in musical activity, it requires you to integrate all of these modes, your sensory processing, your motor coordination, executive functioning, your memory and emotion, um, socialization, all these things. Um, so it seems like music is a really great, great way for people to uh, uh, kind of uh, cultivate the strategies to, to help them regulate themselves. <clears throat> now, I'm not privy to all the information of education and the budget for the education. I'm not, I'm not well researched on that, but I guess my question for you is whether or not um, a student in the school system has autism or, or learning disability, even for the mainstream population, um, do you think that every school in the United States of America should have this in their curriculum? Music therapy. Well, I'm a bit biased. <laughs> so, well, I mean, I would I would say yes because okay. I I see I've read the a bit of research on music therapy and I believe in its use for facilitating education and not not just for people who have difficulties or uh, disorders or deficiencies in something, but just helping someone to cultivate their 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 skills, you know. Because for me, as a child, learning music was huge. It helped me to develop my speech, uh, my sensory processing, my sensory motor integration, my memory, my emotional intelligence, uh, emotional fluency, social uh, social skills and connection. It was huge. So I would say for those reasons, I believe that music therapy should be uh, integral in the curriculum of education. Yes. And especially I was wondering, like, how can we incorporate this in the after school programs just to anything, just to keep the youth available, any any extracurricular activities that they can do music wise. And I know sometimes budget cuts, especially in their impoverished communities in, in America, I know sometimes they don't have these programs in place. Yeah. Should, should, should this be something that we should advocate for? For the Department of Education, like, hey, we need this for the after-school programs. We need this mm -hmm. for MCA. We need this for Boys and Girls Club. You know, just absolutely kids out of trouble. And because, like, from three thirty, from that time, kids get out of school at three o'clock to the time their parents get home at six p.m. Within those three hours, a lot of things can happen. A lot of things is where like they can get get caught up in other activities that that's not so good for the kids. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, I totally agree with you. And what I would say if I was... Actually, that's something that I um, would like to work on in my future as a music therapist. I would like to advocate for music therapy in basic education. And what I would say in that situation is, look, music education can help, just like what I was just saying, it can help you, a child, to cultivate their basic skills, their cognitive skills, um, all the things I just mentioned with the sensory processing and socialization, speech and language and emotional fluency and intelligence, all these things are, it's very clear that music helps us to develop these things and also just discipline and character, you know, 
uh, and also community, you know, like it, it brings people together and it's a way people literally synchronize with each other when they're playing music together, you know, and that's that's really important for social health and well-being. And I would say it's it's pretty clear also that social health and well-being is a fundamental aspect to human well-being mm-hmm. or social connection is crucial to human health and well-being. Mm-hmm. And this, and not just for the curriculum in school. I think for us working adults, for all of us, ta- <laughs> for all of us tax-paying adults in the United States of America, yeah. that country built on capitalism, it can. They every how much you have to work to survive in this country, and I. Of us adults can benefit from this. Just, just, just like. Just we, I think we all need all kinds of therapy in our lot in our lives if we're going to approach yeah, this man. holistic way. You know, we need some spiritual for sure. Therapy. We need some psychological therapy, and guess what, fellas? We need some music therapy. Anything that mm-hmm. can just the the growing concern of the decline of people's mental health in the United States is alarming. The mastery it is on every day. Uh, the 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 police brutality, the racism. There's so much negativity in the news that I wonder. It's like this, Alec. Of course, we all know that music helps. Just as music fans, you know. Um, yes. It helps us feel better. Now, as a hip hop artist and coming from the hip hop community, that background. I, my next question for you is. How can hip hop music be integrated into music therapy? Is it possible? Absolutely, has, man. Has, has it been tried? You know, hip hop music in the music therapy programs in the United States of America. Correct in the correct. Mm-hmm. I'm saying. What's your thoughts on that? Oh, I love that, man. So, I I wouldn't consider myself a hip hop artist, but yeah. a lot of the music that I write actually comes off as. Um, it comes out as uh, like spoken word, fast singing in rap uh, because I like to talk about things, you know, I like to explore ideas. And so uh, the music that I write, come, it, it's a lot of it is very rappy and it has a lot of hip hop influence. Um, and in terms of uh, hip hop and music therapy, what I really yeah. love about hip hop is the expressive fluency of hip hop. I really admire a hip hop artist who can freestyle. Oh my god, man, that is such a cool skill, uh-huh. and I would say it's incredibly useful too. Mm-hmm. Um, and because someone who's able to uh, who who's able to articulate, um, oh, I'd say it this way: someone who's able to freestyle um, in terms of exploring concepts and in the moment circumstances um it it basically in cultivating that skill of freestyling and in rapping you're cultivating your ability to articulate concepts articulate um thoughts and feelings into words and that is so incredibly powerful man i want to give a shout out to my homie michael i know michael's the one that told me about you too and all my good people said sweetwater art ranch and hamul And I, you know, for all those who are tuning in and people that are listening, I think it'll be a great idea. And maybe we can talk about about this more offline with Michael too. But it'll be a great idea at the ranch and show people how how music therapy works. You know, like and maybe a oh, yeah. workshop Wait, or what's, a class. You know, what's the ranch? Um, it's in Hamul. It's uh. It's pretty much how me and Michael really got a chance to work together. Um, I know Michael met you at an open mic. Uh, we've been throwing events at this ranch in Hamul. It's called Sweetwater Art Ranch. I want to give a shout providing platform for us independent artists of all genres, not just hip hop. You know, not just it's. We've been throwing shows there with all genres, and um, and it's also a place for holistic healing. That they provide a platform mm-hmm. for healers and practice to do things and have sessions. There, you know? So maybe we can talk about that more, and or maybe you can hit up Mike about that. Mike is definitely Mike has been throwing some shows there too and throwing some events. But we'll talk about more more of that after the podcast. 
Um, yeah, that's awesome, man. Just to showcase to the community, you know, um, what what you do, and I think that they would love that. Um, let me ask you this: so after your internship is done, how many more months you got with the internship? I'll be done in like uh, mid July. Okay, cool. What's your plans after the internship? Honestly, man, I'm not sure. I, I'm not mm-hmm. sure where the prospects will lead by the time I finish, but mm-hmm. I have a really good feeling about San Diego. I like the community here. I haven't even been here for two months. And oh, wow. uh, I really I really enjoyed here. And the program, Music Therapy Center of California, is amazing. They're, I've been learning so much from them, and I look forward to learning more from them. Um, really amazing people, entrepreneurial people who care about the community and want to invest in their community. And I think that's so beautiful. Yes, and a lot of platforms for you to perform your music. I yeah, like you being as a performer, it's a it's a good gateway to introducing to people what you really do on the other side of things too. You know, like um, it's, it's great for networking, Alec. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But you've only been in San Diego for two months, huh? Oh yeah, not even two months. Holy shit! Um, <laughs> welcome, to San Diego, brother. We gotta kick it. Yeah, man. We got to invite you to the ranch. Um, let me ask you this. The community of San Diego, um, what's your first impression? And what? And I wonder, living in San Diego, does that inspire you to stay here and work here? Just see what the community here might need? Just the first two months of your impressions here. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah. What does yeah, my impression. I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So, yeah, my impression of San Diego so far is, I mean, I've come here um, sporadically. I played a few shows here, uh, but I never lived here. And so now I'm immersed in the community. And I love it because it seems like such a uh, down-to-earth and uh, kind of jovial vibe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I really enjoy that. I think uh, it's it's a perfect place, you know. And also, it's so beautiful, man. Like, in my hometown and in Boston right now, they're fucking freezing in the snow. And I was just, yesterday, I was playing a, a gig uh, on a rooftop overlooking the ocean. It was a sunny day and, you know, it was it was beautiful. So I'm, I'm really grateful to be here. I love it. Um, if you had a choice, if you landed the job in there or San Diego, which one would you go to? Let's say you got both <laughs> jobs in both cities. What would you pick? Well, I love Big Bear, although there is, I would certainly choose San Diego. Yeah. Because there's a lot more potential here. I mean, okay, so my thing is that I love my community and man, I wish you could see all the all the work we've done together in the community of Big Bear. We've been doing events like these, these community events for about 10 years, more than 10 years now. And the effect that it has had on people is incredibly profound um the way it's inspired people to come out and share their art and to further cultivate their skills and art and to share it with the community contribute to the community man it's so beautiful um so my idea is that i want to go explore the world because i also uh, enjoy going to europe too oh wow i want to go explore the world and uh uh do work on these programs do some research further my education in music therapy and neuroscience and i want to advocate for music therapy and education like we were just talking about i want to create programs to help people invest in the community um and what i would like to do is bring that back to my hometown of big bear wow i love it man let me ask you this what countries have you been in in europe so I studied, Berkeley has a, has a, a sister school in Valencia, Spain. Oh, wow. And uh, that was amazing, man. It was in this, uh, we call it the the Palace of Art and Science. Um, there's an opera house and some in- incredibly beautiful architecture, uh, art museums and stuff like that. And uh, a lot of my friends from Berkeley are actually European. There's a lot of European people. A lot of people from all over the world that came to Berkeley. Um, and so I went to, recently I was just there in uh, November. I went to Paris to see my buddy there, Loic, shout out to Loic. 
he's a fancy sommelier at a at a French restaurant. And then uh, I did a little tour for Amsterdam, Berlin, Munich, into Switzerland, down to Italy, where my other buddy is, Luca. I love those guys, man. And uh, I just really enjoy the cult, all the different uh, cultures there that I, uh, you know, it's it, it was, I think that traveling is the best investment that I've ever made in my life because it just expands it my view of the world um and it's it was just so educational just to go through and and travel to all these different places nice let, let me ask you this man what are some of the main differences you can see within within our mentality in the united states and the mentality in spain just like off top like what's different from <laughs> so first of all they have the uh siesta <laughs> so okay so there's a time in the afternoon where everyone uh takes a break like all the shops close or most of the shops close and they all just go have lunch and have a beer and just enjoy themselves wow. and it's it's such a cool thing because it's like <laughs> i think that they they really care about uh, I, I mean, I think that in the United States, perhaps that might come off as, I don't I don't want to say lazy, but in the United States, we're like, go, go, go. You know what I mean? We are. Yeah. But, but over there, they're like, they make sure to take time to breathe and, and relax and spend time with their family and friends, you know? And I wouldn't say that either one is right or wrong. I would just say that I really appreciated that that cultural habit that they have over there, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, and then also, they know how to party, man. Like, those people, it's it's normal for them to start partying at, like, 2 a.m. at the latest, and then they're, they're partying until, like, 7 a.m. That's a normal mm -hmm. night. <laughs> Let me ask you. What what would you attribute yes I, I think maybe that makes all the difference in the world you feel me the fact that they do take off in the middle of the day to just unwind and just have fun yeah and maybe that makes all the difference in the world with their mental health you know and yeah and also ironically maybe their productivity and how we view how we view rest you know i think sometimes maybe sometimes americans we don't i know we have saturdays and sundays but maybe we we are just wired we we just be wired differently here yes and in spain maybe they're just wired differently there they know how to relax they know how to take a breather um what would be your advice, Alec, for a young professional out there that's trying to get into music therapy in the program? What would be your advice mm. if they want to get into this program? Into any, music therapy? Yeah, yeah. Or any tips for them to survive this or thrive in it and to love it, you know? Do you mean Berkeley specific or just the field of music therapy? Just the field. Just the field of it. Yeah, so I would say that The better musician you are, the better you're able to serve people. Mm -hmm. And these skills include, I think, actually, one one goal I have right now, I'm working on my freestyling skills because I see freestyling as, and not just necessarily rapping, but just making up lyrics on the spot, you know? I see that as a really important skill. And ear training, uh, whatever... Uh, instrument you have and actually in music therapy you need to be very versatile you you're required to learn guitar piano vocals uh, percussion and in my experience like every day of the week I'm using all of those instruments so I would say that really really uh, cultivate yourself as a musician because that will really serve you um, another thing too is that this is one of my this is one thing that my professor said to me and it really stuck with me so he gave me 
a an assignment in uh it was like triadic uh voicings on the guitar triadic triads just means like a chord like c-e-g makes up the c major triad chord <clears throat> so just a different like um voice leading through through those triads and i came back the next week and i did not practice and i fucking failed it and he's like man what are you doing <laughs> like you know uh i'm kind of i'm kind of losing it but basically the point that i'm making here is that you got to treat yourself as patient zero you gotta you gotta like deal with the, the bullshit that you tell yourself which we all have we all have bullshit we all have things that we could work on and the thing is that you know if you want to go into therapy it's really important that you have yourself really well put together because if you don't have your shit together then it's very difficult to help other people put their shit together you know what i mean oh yeah for sure for sure Man. so that's the biggest thing that i've been practicing is it's like okay how can i improve myself just in all these very basic ways like my ability to maintain all my basic household needs my my self-care needs just like something as simple as brushing your teeth and having the the discipline and the the time management to do such things is it seems really insignificant but i would say it's it's crucial because um those that is the foundation of a of an organized and effective life i wanted to ask a little more before we get off about the community of big bear um yeah are, are there opportunities for hip-hop artists to perform out there are there hip-hop shows being you know i don't see a lot of hip-hop shows i actually i mean so i've worked with all types of people and we we have had some hip-hop shows uh, but it's not as prevalent as it could be and i would like to to grow that um and actually it's funny when we started 10 years ago the reason why we started these community events was because we we're like we're musicians and there are not a, a lot of opportunities for artists to perform and to contribute to the community and so we created those events and people just started popping out of the woodworks like oh i do this i do this and uh there was actually a hip-hop uh, group or a little network of hip-hop artists that that played for a while uh right now i don't know of any but you know i think that's something i'd like to to cultivate up there nice nice and to all my people tuning in especially um musicians out there in 2023 what's your tips for musicians to keep their to keep their sanity whether it's a performer a touring artist like how can they how can especially hip-hop artists how can hip-hop artists benefit from music therapy do you mean uh the clinical music therapy or just using music as as a way of uh facilitating your wellness Well, how can hip hop artists benefit from if they go into music therapy or if they you know, if they oh. if you know, if they try it, you know what I'm saying? Wait, I'm sorry. You mean if they go to a music therapist or they decide to go into the field to become a music therapist? If they try music therapist, if they try it, not in the field, but oh. if they do music therapy. Yeah. How how would they benefit? Is what yeah. you're asking? Um Yeah, I think that uh I think that they would benefit tremendously because like I said the whole point of music therapy is to individualize to the person and what your needs are. And so what's really cool about a music therapist is that they could look at what your goals are as a professional hip hop artist and they could break down they're 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 taught how to cultivate education, right? so they can break down your skills into uh like all right so you're really good at this and then you could work more on this and then stuff like that so they could really help you to cover any holes that you might have in your craft and then also um to just help you to cultivate the tools that uh help you to facilitate your own wellness for example using music uh for uh, uh processing just your your mental processing and coping and when i say coping i don't mean like 
really traumatic incidents necessarily. I just mean like daily things, you know, like you feel anxious today. And how can you use, use music to process that that thing? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. No doubt. Um, and actually, it's it's not very common for using a, a, a music therapist for this type of thing. Usually what I see is a music therapist for um, people who have some kind of injury or disability. Mm -hmm. um, and what I'd like to do actually is get into what I'm really passionate about is performance optimization. You know, I love working with people who have injuries and disabilities. And also I'd like to help people just to manage their lives and help them to help help to equip equip them with the tools skills knowledge and techniques that help them to live lead a more fulfilling and meaningful life yes for sure for sure man now are there before we get off is there any other thing you would like to uh, tell people about about music therapy or any announcements any events coming up where people can see you play Mm. Well, right now I have a weekly gig at uh, El Prez in Pacific Beach. Okay, cool. That's actually, yeah, that's actually really cool because it's unplugged, like no amps. And I'm just walking around with my guitar, taking requests and freestyling for people. So it's very intimate and I'm just like playing for, like I'm I'm at eye level with you and we're, we're playing music together. So I think that's a really cool thing. Nice. Yo, man, Alec, it's been really awesome thanks for all the knowledge you dropped and um i wish you the best with your internship and hopefully thank you, you man up in san diego uh, san diego can use more of this knowledge and more of this more of this music therapy you know what i'm saying yeah man i really appreciate it marlon thank you so much for this opportunity to to share and you seem like a really cool man cool dude man um i appreciate the good vibes thank you man and for all those who are tuning in um i will definitely put alex um instagram ig handles on the on the title description and the page description and for all those who want to know more about him and his services and his music you guys can definitely click on that and um you know when i first made the show it really started providing a platform for my fellow indie artists that i've met on the road that i perform with but as the years went by I, i've been doing the podcast for almost three years um it started taking its turn into um highlighting my fellow mental health advocate a fellow uh people's in the social work social work field and music therapy is something that like i think it's it's so helpful and we all need it and anything that can heal the world anything that can heal our communities anything that can make our country and our society rise up and be better people man like i'm all for it and people, yeah man people like you deserve deserve a platform to talk about what you're passionate about especially for me and thank you for doing the show man i'll hit you on the text right now to update you about the podcast and logistics and all that all right Cool, man. Sounds good. And shout out to Michael, man. Thank you for the hookup. Thank you now. And I'm, cool. I'm going to text right now, Alec. Thank you so much for doing this. All right, dude. Peace. One love. Peace, peace. Peace.